Well, good morning, Contact family. Good it's good to see y'all. Good to be back with you this week. We're going to keep talking about the kingdom. If you were here last week, we started a new series where we realized that one of the big and most important things that Jesus did was talk about and usher in the kingdom of God. In fact, there in Luke chapter 4, we read this last week, verse 43, he says, I must. He says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Jesus' very purpose is about bringing the kingdom message to other people. And Mark starts off, the first thing he says in the book of Mark, which I don't have up here, is repent. Change from your sins and believe the good news. The kingdom of heaven is near. So this is a really big deal for Jesus, right? And so throughout the course of this month, we're talking about what God's plan was to reign. We're talking about how things collapse, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus in the third week, and the last week we're going to talk about life and the kingdom. And all these are going to overlap, and we're going to talk about all of them a little bit every week because we can't get away from talking about all of it at once, partially because we're using videos that kind of talk about the whole story. And we're going to have one of those every week. And I'm excited about the one we're going to watch today. So, as a refresher from last week, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And what does it mean for them to be like us? They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. One of the core things about you is that you were made to reign on God's behalf. We watched a video that talked about idols and how one of the reasons that God says don't make an image is because he already made images, and that's us. People that walk around the earth and that move and that God designed to be the people who take care and grow this earth. And do you remember last week what it looks like to reign on earth? What was the word they used in the video? Gardening. He's like my pantomiming. It wasn't very good, all right? Gardening. It's this idea not of, this is mine and I'm going to do whatever I want with it, but this idea of, God has given me these things to work with, and I'm going to make it more and better, and I'm going to get to enrich it. And Jesus even says to his disciples before he leaves, they're going to do even greater things than him. And so we know that part of God's idea for reigning is bringing us along to be his partners in creation. And that's an exciting thing. That's an exciting thing. But if you know the story, and I think you might know the story because we're going to find out this is our story too, we don't always like to listen to God, do we? We don't. Let's read in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing for the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right? So God plants this garden. He puts Adam in it. In this account, this is before he's created Eve. And he puts these trees right there in the middle. Why would you do that, God? Why'd you put both trees there? Well, hold on a second. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, 
you will certainly die. Now, any of y'all have had kids? Are you supposed to put your dangerous chemicals under the sink with no locks on the sink? No, because they can get in and they can eat it, right? Do we, do we put out the things that will hurt our children right in the middle of the room? We don't. We try to baby-proof. We put those things in the sockets. We do all kinds of stuff to try to protect our kids. And here we see God sticking the thing that's going to kill them right in the middle of the garden. What are you thinking, God? What's going on here? What is, what is this really about is the question we got to ask. What is God doing? What is the point of what's happening in this story? The question, because we've just found out that people are going to be co-rulers with God, right? They're going to be taking care of this creation. They're going to be doing things that God has asked them to do. And when we talked last week about what a kingdom is, we talked about how a king has absolute authority, right? And how the person who's in charge gets to dictate what the rules are. So, though God is drawing us to be co-rulers with him, who is still the authority? God. Right? This is, these aren't trick questions this morning, all right? We'll get to those maybe. But these aren't trick questions. God is still the one in charge. So what does that mean we have to do as the co-rulers who are underneath him? What he says. We have to obey him, right? So what's going on here? God's made this beautiful garden. Food has fallen off the trees. It's a wonderful, perfect place for Adam and for Eve. But how are we going to know if they're ready to trust God or not? If there's no opportunity to not trust God. See, God is not just winding us up and making us go, right? God has given us some choices in how we do things. God offers these new image bearers a choice. Will they accept his wisdom, or are they going to try to take control for themselves? Okay, are we tracking? These trees are more than just, what am I going to eat today, right? And this word, the knowledge of good and evil, is more than just, I suddenly have information in my brain. This word knowledge there in the Old Testament has to do with an experiential knowledge. I have now done the thing of good and evil. I now completely understand it because I have experienced that. Okay? So this is more than just, this is God saying, I've got a plan that is going to be great. Are you going to come with me? Or are you going to try to do it on your own? Does it sound familiar? Sound like our lives a little bit? Chapter 3, verse 4. The serpent is tempting Eve, and he says, You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Is the serpent totally lying? Nah. Are evil desires ever totally lying? Not exactly. So it makes a good lie, right? Is that there's a little truth stuck in there too. Something that tempts us, something that draws us along. Something that helps us see 
what we want even if we shouldn't. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What's just happened in an instant? They had peace. They had innocence. They had a total trusting good relationship with God. And suddenly, when they listened to something else, and they saw with their eyes, that looks good, and let their own will determine their steps. What's the verse we love? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will direct your paths. When they saw what looked good to them, it's gone. It's gone. Is this story just about Adam and Eve? When have we made the choice to take the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? If you know anyone who hasn't, they're lying to you. Right? Because this, this is part of what we have become as people. Is each one of us in our lives has made this choice, haven't we? We knew what was, supposed, what was right, what we were supposed to do, but something else, it looked good, and we took it. When have we listened to the serpent instead of to the wisdom of God? So, from there, things spiral, right? Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. God says, you can't be in here. You can't have eternal life. And, and that's not just a punishment. That's a mercy. Because we don't want to live forever poisoned by sin. And so he sends them out of the garden. Next chapter, they have two kids, and one of them kills the other one right out of the gate. And we see sin growing. And then over time, Cain's kids go on, and everything is evil all the time. And we're only into the sixth chapter. We're not very far, right? Everyone's thoughts are only evil all the time. The only person God can find that's worth saving is Noah. And so he gets rid of everyone on earth. And we have the great children's story about Noah's ark, and we don't think about what's floating in the water below him. Because God wipes it out. And what's left is Noah and his three sons and the three wives and his wife. And they start over. And immediately after they get back to dry land, Noah offers a sacrifice. And then he gets some grapes and he gets drunk. And then this other mess happens and Noah and his son, the one that was righteous, they mess up. And you say, God's promised he's not going to do what he just did again. But is it really going to get better? And by chapter 11, the people have come together to build this tower, the Tower of Babel. And they've all worked together to say, we can reach to the heavens. We can get to the space where God is. We can be as good as God as a community. You see how the sin goes from just one person to suddenly sin has taken on a life of its own and a whole community is poisoned by sin? It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. So God separates them and confuses their language. And then, chapter 12, he starts again. 
He says, I'm going to use Abraham. And this guy, I'm going to ask you to come with me and to do things. But Abraham messes up. God gives him like ten different tests in the Bible, and he gets one of them, and he fails the other nine. Right? And, and he finally does what God wants him to do, and God says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to work with you, <laughs> but it's going to be a mess. And then Isaac messes up, and then Jacob messes up, and then basically all the sons of Jacob mess up, although Joseph does well, but it just keeps going. And the people are stuck in Egypt, and they're slaves in Egypt. And then Moses comes, but Moses messes up too. And, and, and when the people are taken out of Egypt, they want to go back because it was cushier than they'd rather be with God. And as God's giving them the Ten Commandments on the mountain and saying, no idols, they're making a statue of a calf on the ground. And then Moses doesn't even get to enter the promised land because he doesn't listen to God all the way. And his brother and sister have to repent and all these other things happen. And Moses isn't it. And then we have all these judges. And the judges are supposed to do what God wants, but they keep messing up and they keep doing things the wrong way. And then there's all these kings. And they weren't even supposed to want kings in the first place because God was their king. But all the other nations have kings. And they all mess up. And even the best ones like David fall. We talked about that not too long ago. And Solomon, who's supposed to be the wisest of all people on earth, doesn't submit to God's wisdom. And the next thing we know, he's got 700 wives and 300 concubines and statues of idols everywhere in the kingdom. And then his son splits the kingdom. And then eventually, the fall of Israel. And Israel gets taken by Assyria, and they get destroyed. And then the kingdom of Judah, also 150 years later, goes into exile in Babylon. These, these were the people who God actually made a nation out of. God, God literally spoke and created this people. He, he made a special covenant with them. He made a special commitment. He did something that he's never done with any other nation on the planet in all of time that he did with Israel. And what happened to them? It fell apart. What? What on earth are we going to do? Because if the people who God himself was shepherding didn't get it right, what hope is there? And there's a big word about that from the prophets. And obviously there's still good news to come. What we're going to do now is we're going to watch another video. And we needed all this to get ready to watch that, and hopefully this will be interesting and encouraging. There's something about being home, where everything's just right. We're surrounded by people we love and trust. There's a feeling of stability and safety. And while some people get to experience this kind of home, many do not. Others might even be forced to leave their home and go live in a foreign land. We call this going into exile. Yeah, in exile, everything is disoriented. You're in the unknown. And in the story of the Bible, this is where the ancient Israelites found themselves, conquered by Babylon, living in exile far from their homeland. And so they had to ask themselves, how did we end up here? And is there any hope of going home? And the whole story of the Bible is designed to address those very questions. The whole story? Really? Yeah, go back to the first pages of the Bible. Where does humanity live? Okay, they live in this really sweet garden, their home. 
And they're there on one condition, that they trust and follow God's one command, and they don't. And so the consequence is banishment from the garden. Ah, they're sent into exile. Exactly. And so this story has been designed to set you up for Israel's story, how they were given the gift of the promised land and were able to stay there on one condition, that they be faithful to the terms of their covenant relationship with God. Uh, They didn't, and they were sent into exile. And if you still don't see the parallel between exile from the garden and exile from Israel, think about this. In Genesis, humanity's exile led up to the story about the building of what city? Oh yeah, Babylon. The same place the Israelites are sent. But that's not the end of either story. In the first Babylon, God called Abraham to leave and travel to the promised land. And that story was designed to give hope to the Israelites currently living in the later Babylon. Now eventually, they do get to leave and travel back to their promised homeland. And when they did, it wasn't home sweet home. Oppressive empires were still ruling over them, and the people kept acting in the same corrupt ways as their ancestors. And so the biblical prophets said that exile wasn't actually over. How could they think they were still in exile when they're at home? Yeah, this is really important. In the Hebrew scriptures, Israel's Babylonian exile became an image of something more universal. It's that feeling of alienation and longing for something more, no matter where you live. Yeah, I I can relate to this. I have a great home, but it's situated in a world scarred with pain and broken relationships, death, tragedy, done by others, but also done by me. And so in the Bible, exile is the human condition. We all keep repeating this pattern of human corruption leading to a Babylon that we can't escape. And it doesn't matter where you live, we are all longing for a better home. Now Israel's scriptures held out hope that one day God would send a king who would rescue the world from all of the Babylons we've created. And after many generations pass, we meet this Israelite named Jesus of Nazareth. He wandered about with no home, announcing the great restoration, that reality of home that Israel and all humanity has been looking for. Yeah, Jesus really cared about people who didn't have homes. He welcomed in the stranger. He said God's love is shown when you invite in the outcast and throw parties for people who don't have a place to belong. Jesus also claimed that Israel and all humanity had lost its way that our self-centeredness drives us to create false homes based on status and power, and these inevitably exclude others. We live in an exile of our own making. But Jesus said the true way home is one of weakness, of service, and of forgiveness. And then Jesus went into exile alongside us to show us the true way home. Which is? Well, Jesus said he is the way. His life and self-giving love proved more powerful than humanity's failure. He opened up a pathway to our real home. And as Jesus' followers committed themselves to him, they discovered this new way of being human. They believed that the real return from exile had begun. And so they would call themselves sojourners or wanderers. Oh, right. They would say things like, the world isn't our home and we're citizens of heaven. And so Jesus' followers remain exiles as they wait for that day when Jesus returns to transform this world into a true home. Do you get that feeling of being in exile sometimes? That feeling that no matter what, what you try to do, 
There's just more. There's just more that's in the way. And even when you're home, you're just knocked. And there's something wrong. And, and that's, that really is kind of the human condition. Because we're still waiting for the kingdom to come all the way. And when he talks about home, where is home? It's with God, right? It's with God. And, and we have the spirit in us. And so there's little pockets of home, but it's not all the way there. So he said this in the video. He said, we all keep repeating a pattern of human corruption leading to a Babylon that we can't escape. And I added on our own. Because this isn't a hopeless situation, right? And that's why we love the Bible. And we love being with the church. Because when we look to other things and we go out in the world and we look for ways to fix everything, we always come up short. There is no solution apart from God. There just isn't. There's patchwork. There's a little bit. But the people who look like they're going to be benevolent turn into dictators suddenly. And the solution that helps 50 people ends up hurting 5,000 because we didn't think about all the consequences. And there's all these things that spiral out of control. What are we to do? What are we to do? I'm missing a slide. Go back to that last, the slide after that one for me. We'll sing this in a minute. One more back. We have hope, right? We've talked about hope before. That hope isn't optimism. Optimism that things are going to work out is going to lead to a crash. Because the truth is, things are not going to ultimately just work out by themselves. The deeper truth is that God is going to do what needs to be done. That God is someone we can trust. That Jesus is our hope. Jesus allowed our sin and evil to crush him so we might be able to return home to God's kingdom. So how did things collapse? We did it. We did it. And we need to repent because we keep trying to make it collapse again, it feels like, right? And every day there's something that we say, God, I need your forgiveness. And as a community, sometimes we need to say all together, God, forgive us because we haven't been who we ought to be as part of your people. But in the midst of that, Jesus loves us so much. He loves you so much that he wants you to put your guilt on him. And that's why he went to the cross, right? That's why he goes to the cross. And he becomes king on the cross. They put that crown of thorns on him. They put a robe on him. They hang him up there and say, Hail, King of the Jews, because he is. They think they're making fun of him, but they're not. They're doing what he was there for, to bring the kingdom and to become the king. Jesus is our king. 
Are you ready, instead of to look at your own wisdom and to see what looks good in your eyes and to take what you shouldn't, are you ready to listen to the true king's will and wisdom? If you're ready for that today, if there's anything else we can do for you, then come on down as we stand and as we sing.